Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. You don't have to go very far, right? We just talked about unity. We talked about differences. We talked about where you have some conflict, where you have things going on. You don't have to go very far to find that, right? All we got to do is jump on, jump on Facebook. Everybody's on conflict, right? Everybody's screaming, yelling at each other. Look at any comment section under any website. Look at a blog. Look at anything. Turn on the news. Man, it's just brutal out there, right? So here's what we have. We don't have to go far to discover the hostility that divides. And unfortunately, conflict is one of the most ordinary ways that we exist as human beings. There's conflict everywhere. It's true on a global level, right? Let's think about some of these things for a minute. Constantly have one nation clashing against another nation. Israelites and Palestines and Egypt and Iran and the Sunnis and the Shiites and the Muslims against the Jews and Christians and East against West and China against America and America against China. Whatever, we just got conflict. And have conflict over, over everything, over ideas, over philosophies, conflict over borders, conflict and conflict. It's true at a national level too, isn't it? The mudslinging hate between Republicans and Democrats, conservatives and liberal, and the prejudice which has reared its head once again in our country. We haven't faced a reckoning like we've faced in the last couple of years since maybe the Civil War era. I mean, the Civil Rights era. There's all sorts of conflict. Some that's existed for way too long. Some that's new and fresh. But there's conflict. There's hostility. There's anger. And it's all around us. You have the rich, the poor, the educated, the uneducated, the young, the old, the technical, the non-technical. And there's the walls that are dividing us over everything. Hostile walls. Troy, I'm going to switch things up. Come on up here right now. So I thought for a second, I said, am I just getting cynical? I'm getting older. I don't know. I listen to things differently. I view life just a little bit differently now that I'm older. So uh, Troy's one of our interns. Troy, how old are you? Uh, I'm 20 years old. <clears throat> That's a touch older than I am. <laughs> a touch, just a touch. So uh, I figured as a young man, I just wanted him to come up with some of his experiences. Now, I, I said, I don't want you, I don't want you to, you're, you're, he's a smart kid. Man, he is. I'm sorry I called you a kid. You're, you're so smart, but, you know. He's smart. Man, dude reads like crazy. He's smart. But I said, I don't want your experiences from a book, and I don't want the sociological research or the psychological. I don't want any of that junk. I just want to know some of your own experiences. How is it that we see hostility towards one another? How is it that we see ourselves, that we're building walls between people and between cultures or between uh, from our experiences. Oh, no, and I build another wall. I add another brick, and it gets thicker, and it gets higher, and all right, I'm done. Right? So tell us some of your experiences. And if I interrupt you, don't get jacked up. Well, Tim, from my own experiences, uh, things like they're less educated than me. They're more educated than me. Things like they're weird or they're annoying or even 
They smell bad. Hold on, hold on. So you could, people will build a wall because somebody has a bad smell. I think so, absolutely. Somebody smells bad, you're put off by that. You feel uncomfortable. You don't, you don't talk to them the same way you do somebody that smells nice. Oh, you mean because they might smell like urine? Yeah, like urine. Or they might smell like they've been sleeping on the street. Hmm. Or they might smell like they're from another culture and you don't really like the food that they cook. Absolutely. Build a wall. Hmm. Build a wall. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Things like, they said I'm too old or they said I'm too young. They're too rich or they're too poor. Explain that one to me. Well, Tim, somebody who has less money than somebody who's rich, they're constantly envying and looking up to them and saying, man, they have so much more. If only I could have what they have. They build a wall. Somebody who's rich, they, they look down on the poor and say, I can't learn anything from them. I can't gain anything from them. And they build a wall. Okay. They were mean, they were to, mean me. to me. Something, Something like, like, I don't like, I don't the, like color the color of their, of their skin. We don't even have to have an explanation for that, do we? No. No. It's existed for far too long. They disrespected me. They disrespected they have a me. different political view than me. They have a different political they're view. They're not than popular me. enough, or they're not popular enough. They have a speech impediment. They have a speech people impediment. People like them more than people they like, like them me. more than they like me. Tim, you have things like <laughs> Tim, you have things they like they talk too much, or they don't they talk, talk too much, <laughs> or they don't talk enough. S- slow down. <laughs> You're telling me people build walls if you talk too much. <laughs> Stop it. Just <laughs> stop it right now. They don't get their work done. They don't get their work done. You have things like they didn't listen to me or you have things like they didn't they listen broke my to trust. Me or they gossiped about they me. They broke my trust. They gossiped about me. That's huge, right? When our trust is broken, somebody gossips, somebody talks about me. Boom, brick after brick after brick after brick. And pretty soon I become isolated. I become fearful. I begin to even hate and criticize other relationships. They're more attractive than I am, or they're less attractive. They're than more I am. attractive than I am. We have things or like they're less they're attractive disabled, than I am. or they're we have things like they're disabled, or they're, they're homosexual. They're a homosexual. <laughs> other things like they don't, you have <laughs> they don't value my other personal like, space. They don't. Tim, even they silly don't things value like they cut me space. off in traffic. Tim, even silly things like they cut me off in traffic. That's not silly. <laughs> walls. Driving walls. You're welcome, man. It's important. I get it. Thank you. You're welcome, man. All right. Here's the thing. What we know about that list, right, is he sat down and said, what have I seen? How have I seen people be separated from one another? How have I seen hostility grow between one another? What are some of the... The things that caused that, that just seemed to be brick after brick after brick. Even as a young 20-year-old, continued to see those things. You got a lot more life ahead of you, and I'm sorry, but you're going to see a lot more walls built up. I wish it wasn't the case, but it's true. In our passage this morning, let's take a look, because Paul dives deep into this idea of walls. Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. Let's read it together. If you're turning there, I'll wait a quick second. Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those 
who call themselves the circumcised, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought nearby, nearby or near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier. The dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. Thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by the Spirit. Let's take a look first, this walls of hostility. The walls of hostility. Therefore, remember that you were formerly who are Gentiles by birth, called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Right? So, so first thing Paul's saying is that you, you were formerly who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised, by those who call themselves the circumcised. First thing he's saying is, look, there was, this, there was this separation, this wall between two people, because one were God's people marked by the circumcision. But the thing was, is you were never supposed to be just God's people because you had this outward sign of circumcision. That outward sign was supposed to be reflective of an inward reality that your heart was circumcised for Christ, that your heart was his. At that time, Christ wasn't known to be the Messiah, but they were Yahweh's. They were the fathers. They were, they, were, they were God's people set apart for him to be a holy people. And then they were marked for this physical representation that was simply supposed to match the inward reality of who they were. But what they did instead is they looked and they said, hey, we have the markings of God. Hey, we are a chosen people and you are not. In fact, they would go as far as to call Gentiles dogs. You are simply dogs because we are God's people and you are not. And Paul's going, hey, Gentiles who have been so ruthlessly treated, who have been so ignored by God's people, let me tell you something. You were once far away from God, but so were the Jews. For the mark on their body was not what brought them close to God was not what was to make them the people of God. It was always to have been a faith of their heart in God. It was always supposed to be an obedience and a commitment to God the Father. It was always supposed to be him that led them as people and changed their lives. So he starts by saying, yeah, you were divided. 
So remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. So not only were they separate because people made them separate with one another, they were separate because God truly did call out a holy people. Now to those who were God's, there was still a separation. I got an image up here I want you to see, because what Paul's doing is he's re- reflecting back to the temple and the sacrifice that would be made. You can kind of see that, 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 that big piece that comes up, right? And that's going to be the, the holy of holies in there. And you'll see the first courtyard that looks a little bit like a cross right there, okay? That's going to be, that was the courtyard for the women. And then inside, as you got closer to the holy of holies, then that's where the circumcised Jewish men could go. And you can tell they can, there's this status structure, this where you keep getting closer and closer. And then inside that opening right there, which is where the veil was, the curtain was, that we know that Christ tore apart at his resurrection. I mean, at his death, it was the veil was torn. In there, only one could go, and that would be the high priest. So there was all this activity that was taking place. Everybody had their own places. Everybody had their own walls. Everybody was divided, but everybody was divided from God. There was a hostility between us and God because we were impure. We were imperfect. We, we continued to fail. We continued to, to, to sin. We continued to turn our backs on God. Jews and Gentiles alike. But I want you to see something. See those large courtyards on either side? Those were the court of the Gentiles. Look at that wall that was built up. Talk about God seeming so far away. I just want to know God. I just want to walk with God. And those courtyards would be full of people. The Gentiles were always on the outside. The sacrifices that were made, they weren't made for the Gentiles. They were made for the Jews who had committed their lives to God, to following him. Those sacrifices that were made, they were in exclusion to the Gentiles. There was this huge separation the Gentiles, but also for the Jews. Only one would go into the holy of holy places. Only one would get to interact with the most holy God. Could there be a different way? God always had a different way. He always intended that there would be a different way. And that way would be Jesus. That way would be an awakening that would happen. That way would be life that he would bring for all those who were outside of a relationship, outside of God's graces and God's mercy. There would be a way, and that would be Jesus. So you see that there's walls of hostility. There's walls built up between us and God. There's walls built up between us and people. Let's look first at the peace with God that that Christ brought. It says, now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. He paid the price All those sacrifices that were made in the Holy of Holies could only be made one time, one sacrifice at a time, one course of blood for one grouping of sins or for one time over the sins of Israel, whatever it was, but it was a one-time thing. So that those those places you saw, those corridors you just saw up there, those courts, there was constantly sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice and blood after blood offering being brought to the altar and being brought into the Holy of Holies. 
but Christ gave his blood for all. There would never need to be another sacrifice. There would never need to be another pouring out of blood. It was once and for all. It was for past. It was present. It was for future. Christ did it all. For he himself is our peace. There was no way to break that hostility between us and God, but Christ himself was the peace. Literally upon his death, that curtain that was so high, you saw how high that was on that picture. And that is only us trying to react it or, or to rebuild it in a, in a model scale. And so what was, that curtain was so high, and you're like, well, maybe somebody else tore that veil. It couldn't have been, because it tore from the top to the bottom. It was a veil that couldn't have been torn by human hands. It was torn by God himself, saying the hostility is over. There has been a right, there's been a right price paid. You have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, which Paul talked about in Ephesians 1. You are now free to come boldly to the throne. The wall, the curtain that separated the People from being able to come close to God, now we can boldly come as children running to their father. We can come because of the blood of Christ that was poured out. Paul is saying, listen, one, and listen, all. All were separated from God because of our sins. Yes, there was a people that were called out to be his people. Yes, the Messiah would come from the people. The covenant would be passed through that people. But all were separated from God because of their sins, because of the way that they lived their lives. All were separated. And Christ was the blood that separated, that, that brought us unity. He was the peace that satisfied the hostility between us and God. We talked in, in, in earlier in chapter 2 that we were dead in our sins. It was the blood of Christ that brought us back to life. And he goes on, by setting aside his flesh and the law with its commands. Remember, we were under the judgment of the law. It was through the law that we were judged dead and unrighteous that divided us. His purposes was to create in himself one humanity out of the two, thus making peace in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. By this, putting to death their hostility. Yes, the Messiah would come through the Jews. Yes, this great Prince of Peace would come through the Jews. But now that he came, he gave his life, he shed his blood. What happens now? All have access. All are to be unified under the blood of Christ. All are. The hostility is supposed to be over. Question for it, is it over? Right? Now that brings us to hostility in the body of Christ because it's not supposed to be there. Right? Listen to this. Consequently, starting in verse 19, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. We're going to get to that last part in a quick second here. But first, I want you to do something. I want you to think about something. Think about every single person who has ever said, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Every person who says, yes, I've given my life to Christ. Every person you know who has ever said, yes, I believe what Jesus Christ did, and I believe that he paid the price for me. Are they your brothers and sisters? No, really. Are they your brothers and sisters? Has the wall of hostility been broken down against every person in the body of Christ because it's supposed to? It's supposed to be shattered. There's supposed to be no more hostility in the body of Christ. We are to be one people brought together without, without care of our history, our past, our nationality, our color, our creed, nothing. We are to be brought together 
under the unity and the blood of Jesus Christ. Is that true? And that we are to care for one another because each of us is in the household of God. Is that the way we're living? Is that the way the church is? When the outside world looks into the church, do they go, oh, that is a place of unity. That's a place of love. That's a place of care. That's a place where there's no divisions. That's a place where there's nobody that thinks they're better than somebody else. That's a place where walls are shattered and kicked down instead of built up. I can't wait to run into the church because it is a peaceful place. Is that true? Is that true? And that's the question we constantly have to ask ourselves because we were saved for that purpose. Every wall Christ shattered. Everything that set us against God, every sin, every arrogant statement, every prideful thought, everything was forgiven and shattered from keeping us apart from God. And he said, because I did that for you, I also did that for one another, and now everybody comes before me. And now you offer the same mercy, the same grace, and the same forgiveness. Now you, through the blood of Jesus Christ, kick down every single wall that separates us in the body of Christ. There should only be two, I keep saying two, there should only be two different groups of people, one line of separation that exists. And that is those that are in Christ and those are outside of Christ. Not to keep those outside outside. It's just because they haven't yet come into a relationship with Christ. They are still dead people living, right? Still dead people, but we've been brought alive in Christ. And so that's the only thing we care about. And what do we want? We want to be a people that are used to help them come to know Christ. And do we? Is that our greatest pursuit? Is that our greatest care? Is that the greatest thing that we want to do? And that's what Paul's getting to here. So first, let me get to this real quick before I move on to a couple quick application points. It says that, it says this, it says that Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. It's all about Jesus. It's not about what anybody else has done. It's not about buildings. It's not about how much is anybody's pocketbook. It's not about how long somebody's been a Christian. It's not about any of those things. What a great heritage we have here at this church that it's been here for 100 and I think 34 years this year is what I think. What a great heritage. But guess what? You're not the longest. I drove past a church the other day that was celebrating 250 years. I'm like, I didn't know you could even do that. And they're doing it. Church down there in Luckett's that has a, I don't know, 1860-something sign out in front. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. It doesn't matter how long we've been here. Everything has to do with Christ. It doesn't matter about our, tra our traditions. It doesn't matter about anything else but Christ. That's what unifies the body. If the body of Christ, if every church that claims the name of Jesus would simply focus on Jesus, we would find unity in the body of Christ. It's to be built on him, not somebody's preaching. It's supposed to be built on him, not somebody's worship leading. It's supposed to be built on him, not four or five families in a church. It's supposed to be built on him, not even a, not even a doctrinal heritage. It's supposed to be built on him and scripture. And you go, well, it's not the same as a doctrinal heritage. No, it's not. Because we've made things, all sorts of different things. We added man stuff to many of our doctrinal heritage. We've added man stuff to our different denominations. We've added man and women stuff 
to our, our different gatherings. It's all supposed to be focused on Scripture and what Scripture says. For to be the cornerstone is built on Christ. Yes, what he did by bringing us together, by being the sacrifice, but it also says in the word that he is the word. It says that Jesus was the word that became flesh, which means this is what we build upon. This is our cornerstone. To leave this out is to have nothing. It's to have no foundation. It's to be, it is literally to be exposed to everything with the threat of being crumbled and shattered. Because this is our foundation that we build upon. So, question for us, are we in the word all the time? Are we in the word learning it because that's what we're being built up in? Are we in the word learning what it says and how it applies to our life because that's how we're building up? Are we teaching one another because that's what we're called to do? Teach one another. So you hear us talk about classes and small groups. Ah, oh, man, they just want us to do another thing. No, I want you to be able to grow up in the foundation of Jesus Christ and the scriptures. I want you to be able to grow up in having a unified walk with Christ where you are teaching one another. It is not the job of a professional pastor, if you will, to teach the body of Christ. It is our job collectively to walk alongside of one another, to teach one another, and to help one another grow up in their foundation. It's our job. Had us a, started our habits class on Thursday. It was amazing. I had such a great time with the, uh, there's, there's three of us in there, and uh, there's somebody else who's going to join us. So if you've got time on Thursday, i got a pretty big room. You're welcome to be there. And we started with, why would we even want to grow up in our walk with Christ? Why would we even want to take time to have habits? And then we're going to move our way through the Bible and prayer and all sorts of other things, talking about that these are the ways that we grow into our foundation and then grow up from our foundation. Go to that class. Be a part of that. Go to the class on Paul at 11 o'clock. Get in a small group that's studying the Word of God. Help one another grow up in your walk with Christ, for this is what you were called to do. It is your foundation that you're to be building upon. Now this. Remember back to verses 8 and 9 where it said, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, that not from yourself it is a gift of God. Well, Paul just reemphasized that one more time. We didn't do anything. Jesus did it all. And he unites us through his blood by his grace and mercy. And it says, not by work so that no one can boast. Here it goes. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let me go to Jesus' words for a quick second in Matthew 5, 9. It says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Paul just reminded us again, we've been brought into the kingdom. We've been brought into the household. We've been made sons and daughters. We've been made the children of the Prince of Peace. And Jesus said, blessed, blessed. To literally means this abundant life that I want you to have, this abundant life that I created for you to have, this abundant life that I'm saving you to have. One of the abundant life pieces that come out of that is for us to live as peacemakers ourselves. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We are in the family of God, so what should be one of our greatest actions? What should be one of the greatest works that we bring to the table? That we are peacemakers just like our Father, the Prince of Peace. Question, are we peacemakers or wall builders? Are we peacemakers or bricklayers? Are we peacemakers or it's us and them? Are we peacemakers or you hurt me and I don't want anything to do with you? Are we peacemakers and we can't bring an eternal peace into somebody's life, but we can bring 
the offering of peace into somebody's life. Let's walk through some of the steps we see in Scripture for doing just this. And I'm going to let you wrestle with these. I'm just giving you the word straight from the word, okay? So here's some of the things we can do. Steps towards being a peacemaker and breaking apart walls. I want you to think about the difficulties and the trials in your life and the ways that you have been separated from people. And I know you've been hurt. I've been hurt. I know you have reasons to build walls, but not in Christ you don't, especially not in the church. May there be no walls in the church, not one. And they have to be shattered and broken immediately. And may we go out into the world and bring the peace of Christ that we would respond the way God responded to us. He sent his son to bring peace. May we be sent into the world to bring that same peace. So here's how we start. We listen. In James 1, 19 through 21, it says, listen. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. The moment that human anger starts to build up in you, the moment, ah, they've hurt me, the moment that, that really, we hurt Christ. We hurt God. And you're like, ah, I know, but he's God and he can take it. And I can't. The moment that anger wells up, here's one thing we can be sure of. It's not of God. Now, we can be angry over a sin. We can be angry over unrighteousness. That was unrighteousness and it hurt another. That was un, an unrighteous act. But in that sin, we're told not, or in that anger, we're told not to sin, to let it become about us getting payback, about us building walls, about us kicking somebody out of the kingdom as if we really could. So here's how he continues. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. This word, what is it? Listen. Listen. Slow down. Don't jump to conclusions. Listen to what somebody else is saying. Listen to their point of view. I'm not telling you you ever have to agree with it. Just listen to it. Care enough about the person to listen to their hurt, their pain, their, their, their desires, their, their conflict. Just stop and listen. Don't go to war. Listen. And then be very slow to speak. Because here's what you're going to do. Instead of being quick to speak, you're going to be slow to speak. You're going to do this instead. Pray for wisdom and insight. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. So we're listening to what somebody's upset about. We're listening to how maybe they're hurting us. We're listening to how they say we've hurt them. We're listening to the conflict they're having. And we're being very slow to speak because we're praying the entire time. Lord, give me wisdom. Give me understanding. Help me to be a peacemaker right now. Give me the words that you would want me to share with them. Not my words. Father, help me to tear down walls right now, not to build them. And then let the scriptures be your guide. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, which we share with you often, and we're going to continue and continue and continue to share this passage. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work.
You know, one of the biggest reasons we build walls is because we're hurt, because we feel like we want to build a wall, because we don't ever want to feel that way again, because we're scared what will happen if I'm ever in this situation again, or if I let them to be too close, that we'll get hurt. And God knows every bit of our pain. He knows every bit of our torment. He knows every bit of our fears. And he says, I am sufficient. My grace is sufficient. Offer love back to this person. Offer grace back to this person. Offer mercy back to this person. Don't build up walls. Let me have your heart. Let me mend your heart. Let me guide your heart. It is impossible to love, right? We're supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love others. It's impossible to love others without being hurt. You can't do it. So instead of building walls trying to keep us from being hurt, let's use Scripture as our guide. In other words, Scripture speaks the truth into our lives. Somebody's telling us, hey, you're a rotten, terrible, blah, 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 blah. What's Scripture telling me about who I am in Christ? What does Scripture tell me about what my purpose is in Christ? What's Scripture telling me about what God thinks of me? I let that be my definement. I let that define what I think. And what's Scripture telling me about how I should respond to this person with grace and mercy? I let Scripture guide my response. And instead of just coming down harshly on somebody, I let Scripture guide my response because, you know what? Maybe they're right. Maybe I just don't feel like they're right. Maybe I just don't like the way that feels. But instead, I'm going to let Scripture guide my thoughts. So first, I'm going to stop and listen. And then, I'm going to pray. While I'm listening and not speaking, I'm going to pray. And then, I'm going to search the Scriptures so that my prayers and my response, my actual verbal response and attitude response and, and dispositional response aligns with Scripture. And then I'm going to refuse to judge, so don't judge. Want to be a peacemaker? Don't judge. Now, we're going to define this idea of not judging here. Do not judge or you too will be judged, Jesus said in Matthew 6. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? This has nothing to do with calling sin, sin. This has nothing to do with saying this is not in alignment with God. It doesn't have anything to do with that at all. Look, if I, if I see somebody, you know, I walk up and some dude's punching somebody in the face. I don't have to sit there and go, hmm, I better not judge his actions. Um, if he wants to do it, I suppose he should be able to do it. The dude's punching somebody in the face. I need to stop it. I need to jump in and go, hey, it's not the best thing to punch somebody in the face. It's not right. Let's stop doing that. What I don't do is go, ah, you know what? As I look at these two guys, man, that one is getting punched in the face. You know, he probably deserves to get punched in the face. I'm, gonna, I'm not judging their motives. I'm not judging the, the why that lies behind. That's what I'm going to stop doing. And what happens when we build up these walls and we they cause division is I assume things about you. I begin to judge your motives. I begin to judge why you're doing something that you're doing. Or I begin to judge why you're thinking something you're thinking. Or I begin to judge that your statements mean one thing instead of clearly finding out what they mean and what they mean to you. It's divided the church for centuries, and we need to stop it. It needs to stop dividing the church, and it needs to stop keeping us in a, a, a prison. Stop judging. The only thing we're allowed to do is look at the fruit of somebody's life and align that with Scripture. That's it. And then I get to know somebody. I get to find out why they think what they think. I get to find out what's causing all those thoughts. I get to, or those actions. I get to find out why the words are coming the way they're coming. I get to ask all of that because 
I stop judging and start listening and begin praying and align with Scripture, and I refuse to judge. Don't demand your own way. That's the other reason why we build up walls. I want what I want, and I want it right now. You know what? You're not like me. Isn't that what we do? You're not like me. How about inside the church? You don't worship like me. You know, you don't want to sit like me. You don't want to stand like me. You don't want to, you don't want to be here like me. You don't want to do this like me. And you know what? You know, I'll go start my own church. I'll go start my own church. And so now we have a church over here and a church over there and a church over here. Why? Because we didn't like what we wanted and we demanded our own way. And what we did is we fragmented and fractured the body of Christ. Is it good to have a church in our neighborhood? Yeah, that's a good thing. Is it good to have a church in our neighborhood because you didn't want to be in that neighborhood with those people? No, that's a bad thing. we got to stop allowing our demands for our own way to, to fracture and splinter the church. got to stop that, as well as to keep us away from others. See, people need to know who Christ is, but we demand that they look like us first. We demand that they clean up their act first. We demand that they act a certain way before they walk in those doors. We demand that they... We make a lot of demands that God never made. He just said, come unto me. He said, I tore the wall of hostility. Just come unto me. And we're supposed to bring the peace, the love, the mercy, and grace of Christ. That's what we're supposed to bring. Offer forgiveness. This is a hard one. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Bear with one another, forgive one another. And if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive just as the Lord forgave you. Mercy. You may not deserve it, but you give it. Right? So in other words, they deserve by their actions. They deserve to have you judge them. They deserve to have you turn your back on them. They deserve for you to say no. Grace, you give them that forgiveness. Grace, you don't hold it against them. Grace, you give them life and offer them a relationship. Grace, you offer them Christ. Pray for your enemies. You have heard that it was said, Jesus said in Matthew 5, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Do you pray for those that you have a wall built up against? Do you pray for those that are different than you? Do you pray for those who have come against you? Do you pray for those who are making your life agonizingly painful? Do you pray for them? Finally, point to Christ. Because here's the bottom line. You can have a truce, but if you're outside of Christ, you cannot have peace. You can have a truce with people, but outside of Christ, there can be no lasting peace because he's the peacemaker. Because if we are in Christ and somebody is outside of Christ, they will always be hostile to the things of God. So we can offer the peace. We can live like the peacemaker. We can engage with one another like the peacemaker. But ultimately, we have to offer Jesus. For he is the true prince of peace, the one who brings peace between people. All right? So, Hostile to God, he broke the barrier. Hostile to one another, he did away with that. Walls built up, he broke them all down. We now get to go live as peacemakers. Will you be the peacemakers? You've been given peace when you didn't deserve it. 
Will you bring that into people's lives? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the, the clear, the clear pointing of who we were, what you did. Thank you even for the temple that was shattered and broke down and all those walls are now left in rumble, rubble. And that we know that you have been building something up, not in these walls or the walls at Cornerstone or the walls down the street at this church or that church. You are building the body of Christ, one person gathered with another person. You are building us, your body, the collective people of your great work. You're building us into your holy temple the one that will truly stand on a hill for all the world to see. And Father, may we be so intoxicating as a people. May we be so inviting as a people. May your peace absolutely pour from us. May mercy come from us. And may grace be lavished on every relationship we have. And that, Father, in this place, at least in this place where this church gathers, may there be no division. May there be no no separation. May there be no walls built up. But Father, may our focus be strictly on you and your word and your word alone. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, be praying for VBS, all sorts of kids from all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of places, that they would find the Prince of Peace and they would meet him this week starting tonight. Be in prayer. Don't stop praying. And we'll see you next week. Have a great week, everybody.